Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. This show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by the Transcendental Meditation Technique. If you've meditated before but always felt like there was something missing, then it's time for you to learn how to practice TM. Visit tm.org to find a teacher near you. My guest today is Sankarshan Das. He's a bona fide spiritual master with tens of thousands of students and disciples all over the world. Blessed by his spiritual master, his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, with a formula for solving all of the world's problems, both individually and collectively, he is thus endeavoring to attract the whole world to pay serious heed to his teachings, which if followed will usher in a glorious new enlightened era in global history. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm very happy to be here. So to start off, could you tell our audience a little bit about your journey to becoming a spiritual master? It was back in, I was a depressed college youth who didn't know the meaning of my existence and none of my professors could tell me and none of the books I could read were telling me. I saw one title in the book, the campus bookstore. It was actually two titles. I thought it was one title. It was called, the two titles were, were, were Fear and Trembling the title of one essay and the other title was the sickness unto death so i was thinking oh that was, that's what life is it's an experience of fear and trembling until a sickness of fear and trembling until death puts you out of your misery so it's a bleak a bleak uh, outlook i had as a college youth but then i in my junior year i heard about something called self-realization wow and so i i pursued one self-realization guru his listens were useless i i trashed them I pursued another guru. His his thing was useless. I had to pay money to get initiated, but it was totally useless. I hadn't found it. But then a friend of mine named Patrick Dillon in December of 68 in Denver turned me on to this amazing mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And I started chanting that, and an amazing awakening was taking place within me. And then I said, okay, I'm going to renounce the world. I want nothing to do with this material. I'm going to have to go to India and be a holy beggar for the rest of my life. That's my career path. But on the way to India, I had this realization, oh, wait a minute. If you want to deny everything to attain spirituality, you see, deny everything material, deny everything, period, actually, then denial is also something. So a higher level than denial is to go to the trans deny denial and to go to the level of transcendental acceptance. So then I felt that I was being called to for making a being part of a spiritual revolution on this planet. 
I felt there was people in San Francisco waiting for me to come and join them. So I went to San, I grabbed my guitar, and I uh, headed out, renouncing everything. I threw my IDs in the trash can, and with not a penny, I headed out with my guitar, thumbing and strumming to uh, San Francisco. And the first people I met there were the Hare Krishna devotees, actually, but I didn't realize these are the people I was going to join. I didn't know who I was going to join, but I didn't see who to join, really. I just started singing and playing my guitar up and down Haight Street. The, the Summer of Love had been the, about, about four, the summer before that in 67, but now the vibrations in Haight were getting bad. But I, they people said, oh, you're going to make Haight Ashbury beautiful again. So I was singing, and I was a wandering minstrel up and down Haight Street every day, trying to bring the beautiful vibrations back to Haight Ashbury and to the whole world. And then I heard it was a really cool thing happening with campus and minstrels at the University of California in Berkeley. I headed over there, and it was huge. You could sit on the steps there at Sprout Plaza, and 300 people would crowd around you to hear your singings. So I then migrated to Berkeley and became a campus singer in the Berkeley campus, University of California. But things things started going bad. The, the, the Woodstock Festival had been a really beautiful festival of peace and love vibrations on the East Coast. And now we we're going to have a beautiful festival on the West Coast. It's supposed to be the Woodstock of the West Coast at Altamont. But it turned out to be a disaster. The Hells Angels murdered somebody and the vibes were horrible. So I said, this is just too much. I, I can't handle this being a, a spiritual revolutionary singer-songwriter. I'm just going to go back and being a college student again, I can't handle this, trying to be a spiritual revolutionary. So I went back to, to Austin, Texas, and got a job as a janitor. I enrolled at the University of Texas, and boy, was I miserable. <laughs> it was horrible. But then I said, wait a minute, look at this. On the University of Texas campus, there's a really nice spot there in the South Mall, a statue of George Washington. So I started going between classes and singing there, and I, I became a big sensation in the University of Texas campus as the campus minstrel. So the whole I then I dropped out of school, quit my job, and I became a, a hippie again with no place to live, just singing and playing the guitar and wherever people would put me up. And, and, that, and then I got a gig as the house musician at a vegetarian restaurant for a free lunch every day. But then I, but, but still there was something missing. I was writing, I had written 300 songs, I was singing them, people liked my music, but there was something missing there. I was trying to figure out what's missing. And then somebody invited me to a, a Bible study every morning. So I got in the habit of getting up in the morning and reading the Bible. And I said, now Jesus Christ is a self-realized. How can I become like that, a self-realized soul? What was the secret that made Jesus Christ a self-realized soul so I can achieve the same state of consciousness? And I was reading the Bible, trying to figure it out. And one day, Eureka, it dawned on me. Christ says, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Yeah, that's it. You just go out and do, do what God wants, not what you want. Do what God wants. Be the servant of God, serving his orders. And then you'll become perfect. But I had one problem. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So anyway, I couldn't solve that problem. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. Saul was on his way to Damascus, and he got a vision. God gave him a vision. He said, now you're a Paul, and this is your mission. I was waiting for my Damascus experience to get a, a revelation from God. What was my mission? But it wasn't coming. What to do? What to do? What to do? But one day, I was doing a little gig uh, 
music gig at a vegetarian co-op and it was depressing from my musician's ego only one little girl was hearing my song wow but i sang it but you know that amazing thing that little girl read my mind that i was depressed she was the only one hearing me what happened you know what she did after i finished the song you know what she did she came up and she said don't worry god can hear you i went wow I've been waiting for God to reveal to me. I can't hear him. I'm waiting for him to reveal to me my mission, but I can't hear him. But now, through this little girl, he has sent me a message. You can't hear me, but I can hear you. So now I had a new a new mantra. Dear, Every morning I'd study the Bible. Dear God, please guide me how I can become your perfect servant. That was my regular daily prayer. And then and then the Supreme Lord, God himself, sent a Hare Krishna Swami to Austin, Texas. And he enlightened us in the whole science of the Bhagavad Gita and Krishna consciousness. And I realized the Bhagavad Gita actually is the science of how any person in this world can become to- perfectly tuned in the will of God and become a completely surrendered servant of God. The Bhagavad Gita teaches that. So those original people I met in San Francisco that I rejected as my mentors as my associates now one of them has come to austin and now i'm ready and so i ended up becoming a Hare krishna monk i got initiated 50 years ago by ac bhaktivedanta swami he sent me a letter from london and mailed me my prayer beads from london and i've been serving him faithfully ever since and now now i really have the the, the formula and the means of perfecting my consciousness and the formula for, for collecting for correcting, uplifting the whole global consciousness. So that's what my life is dedicated to, to be awakening my own consciousness to higher and higher and higher levels of pure love of God and to enlightening the whole world of how you can realize you're not your material body, how you're an eternal spiritual being, how you're qualitatively one with that supreme person who's the source of all existence, who's eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. And your identity also is you're eternal, you're full of bliss and knowledge, you're not that temporary, ignorant, aging material body so that's in a little nutshell my story of how i achieved this consciousness wow that's certainly been an incredible journey i I love how you're originally thinking i think a lot of people do oh if i have to go on this if i need to become spiritually enlightened or reach another level like i have to go sit in an ashram or a temple somewhere for 30 years by myself and i think that's one of my favorite things about the bhagavad-gita is that even though people think that that's a really hard thing to do, that's actually the easy way out. Like taking yourself out of society and just solely dedicating yourself to a spiritual journey in a solitary way is not only See, selfish, but it's easier. Arjuna didn't, Arjuna didn't do that. He, he, he achieved spiritual affection by fighting on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to, to the Himalayas to sit and meditate. He got yeah. on the battlefield and fought under the order of Krishna. And it's really all about being able to pursue that spiritual journey, but be out in the world and then sharing it with others. That is how you do reach that, you know, next level that you're certainly you're doing out there. Well, I'm so glad you, you love it. So what, <laughs> how can I serve you? Absolutely. I'd love for you to talk about how individuals can awaken unlimited happiness, you know, within themselves. I know the that thing it's already thing is it's all see, we're actually spiritual beings. We're not these mm-hmm. temporary material bodies. Just like you drive in a car, you're sitting there as the driver in the driver's seat. Well, you're actually an eternal, every living being is an eternal youth who never gets old, who never gets sick, and never dies. He's sitting right now in the heart of the material body as the driver. The material body is just a vehicle that you're using. 
So you have the first thing is you have to you have to understand I am not this body. There's a, there's many ways you can analyze it and understand it. This can you I can remember things I did when I was a little kid. But the cells and molecules that constituted the body then are totally different than the ones I have now. But yet I remember experiences I had when I was a little kid. So that means the the person the experiencer is actually beyond the material body. So the first thing you have to realize, I'm not this material body, and then we learn from self-realized souls and from the, the, in the Bhagavad Gita revealed scriptures how the living entity is an eternal spiritual being qualitatively one with God. So what is the nature of the living being? That's, that's what you have to find out. Just like in your body, the hand is part of the body, functions to serve the complete whole of the body. It grabs the food, it pushes it in the mouth, and that way it serves the whole body. So each one of us, is part of God, and our our perfection of consciousness is to be fully absorbed in serving God with our thoughts, words, and deeds 24-7. So Krishna gives specific instructions in the Bhagavad Gita. For example, He says, those who are constantly chanting my glories and endeavoring with great determination, he talks about such personalities. So the, the Supreme Person is actually imploring us to chant his names. You could chant Hare Krishna. If you're a Muslim, you can chant Allah. If you're a Christ, you can chant Christ. If you're a Buddhist, you can chant Buddha. But you need to regularly reciting the names of God and meditating, vibrating it. You know, you can do it softly, but Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Nama Nama, Hare or Christ, 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 or Allah, 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 in that way. Then you do a daily meditation. When you get up in the morning, you do a daily meditation on the names of God. And that will elevate you. That will actually bring you back to your spiritual identity beyond your body. And you have to give up doing things also which are against the laws of karma. Just like um, cow killing, is the cow is our second mother. She gives us her breast milk after our first mother's breast drives up. So the cow is our second mother. Therefore, the the uh, one cannot, one should give up the eating, especially cow meat. Actually, <clears throat> the spiritual master taught me no fish, no meat, no eggs, no onions, no garlic. You offer fruits, vegetables, dairy products, and grains to the Supreme Lord with love and devotion. And that food becomes transformed into pure spiritual energy. So you're, you have that, you daily meditate on the names of God and you, you eat sacramental food. Just like when I was a Christian, every three months we need a little, little wafer. It's called Holy Communion. Every three months you get a little, little teeny wafer. But in the art system of Krishna consciousness, every meal is a holy sacrament. Every single bite of food you put in your mouth 24 hours a day is a holy sacrament. And wow, does it really do a number on your consciousness. In our Hare Krishna centers, we have feasts where we serve out these kind of meals to everyone. Uh, they get it's called Krishna Pishadam, the mercy of Krishna in the form of food. So by the it all the whole process of self-realization then begins with the tongue. You chant the names of God and you eat sanctified foodstuffs, which have been offered to the Lord with love and devotion. And by that process of the, the tongue being nicely engaged, your actually your mind becomes elevated to a higher level of consciousness, and gradually you actually realize God. 
Yeah, it's been fascinating over the the last year just being exposed to some some different works. One one person who's been fairly significant is is the work of Dr. Brian Weiss, who has been a, a very strong leader in the field of past life regression therapies. And I, I think to me it's been one of the his work has been some of the hardest evidence I've seen of the factual and objective truth of reincarnation. And you look at things like xenoglossian children, where they children are born and they know how to speak foreign languages that there's really no other scientific explanation for other that you are an immortal soul. You are, like they say, maybe like a Pinterest uh, thing or like an Instagram thing. You're not a you know human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. And so I think it's, you know, really fascinating to see more and more people waking up uh, to the reality of their own immortality. Yeah, there's actually 8,400,000 species of life, all the way from the germs, all the way to demigods and the heavenly planets. And we are transmigrating through all these 8,400,000 forms, birth after birth after birth. But when you reconnect with the Supreme Person and loving devotion, you get out of the cycle and you go back to the spiritual world, never to take birth again here in the material world. So over the course of your career in the past 50 years, like how have you seen a shift towards more people waking up, more people becoming aware of like their true nature? Well, I, I know our movement began back in New York in 1966. There was only a small handful of, of boys and a few girls, one little storefront in New York City. And then two of them went to San Francisco and started a second center in Haight-Ashbury. And that, that was a huge success. Hare Krishna became practically the anthem of the hippies in those days. And, and then George, and then and then one of those, especially a personal friend of mine, he went from San Francisco to London and met, met the Beatles and got George Harrison into it with My Sweet Lord. So the thing has just been expanding, expanding, expanding. We have millions of people now in the Krishna Congress movement. It started off with just five or about 10 or 12 in the beginning, and now we have millions. And now we want to keep pushing it to the billions. That's our goal. We want to make the whole world Krishna conscious so we can end all these nonsense wars, all this nonsense torture of innocent animals, etc. Yeah, back in February of this year, I was fortunate enough to finally take the leap and, and learn how to do transcendental meditation. And one of the really fascinating things, a couple of fascinating things to me was one, the, the Maharishi was originally a physicist by training. And so he always sought to really have a, a scientific grounding to what the technique was doing and reaching like the levels of pure consciousness. And the other was that after the Beatles brought Maharishi into the into the public consciousness, there was actually people learning how to do TM every minute, which I thought was like fascinating. And I'd, I'd love to see that sort Sort of same levels being reached again, really turning people on to their true nature of immortality. So I'm wondering, how have you found you know mentors and advisors throughout your career? And I went through many who didn't, their thesis didn't pan out. You know, by books. In those days, we didn't have the internet. We just read books. And you hear about it. There's a hearsay in books. There was no internet back in those days. I, I went to one. I went to one guru here in Austin at the Methodist Student Center. He came from India and said, "I'm God, you're God, and we're all." God. And that, that didn't really work. Then I read a book by Alan Watts called the let's See What Was the, the Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. And the book said, "You're actually God. You're playing hide and go seek with yourself right now." So I tried Alan Watts. And it seemed pretty good, pretty, wow, I'm God, that's pretty cool. But then I saw things aren't happening the way I want them to happen. So I realized it's not true. So there are many gurus out there who teach you that you're God or you're all, you're one, you're, you're a God. But we had to reject this, this teaching because actually we're not God. We're servants of God. 
if the hand thinks he's the whole body, it's not true. We're a part of God and we're not the complete whole. So any teacher, so we have to find that teacher who teaches us that God is the supreme and we're his eternal servants. Those teachers like Lord Jesus or Hajra Muhammad or I see Bhaktivedanta Swami, those teachers are bona fide and they can actually liberate us back to our original identities in the spiritual world. Fascinating. I'd love to know, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? Failure is the failure of success. That's a that's a common saying. I got burned. I learned. It's like the little child. He sticks his hand in the fire, right? The mother always <laughs> says, Johnny, don't stick your hand in the fire. But he's thinking, why is mommy forbidding me? It must be something wonderful. Why she? My mommy is forbidding me. So one day when mommy is like looking, little Johnny sticks his hand in the fire and wah, he won't do it again. Failure is the pillar of success. Love it. So I'm sure I could probably guess a few of these, but I'd love to know what are one to three books that have most greatly influenced your life? Bhagavad Gita as it is, Srimad Bhagavatam, and Chaitanya Charitamrita. Those are all Bhaktivedanta Swami's books. Those are all powerful. Like we have a class every day on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Anybody who wants to tune in, just go to livelectures.net, L-I-V-E, L-E-C-T-U-R-E-S dot net and you can turn into tune into a live Bhagavatam class every morning in the evening. There's also a Bhagavad Gita class at 5 p.m. My wife teaches that one. So the schedule is there and you can calculate according to your time zone. Anybody must have tuned into live classes where you can actually type in questions or you can verbally ask questions and we will answer your questions live online. Oh, wow. What an awesome resource. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say, chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and your life will be unlimitedly sublime. In fact, I just ordered a sign like that for the, our front yard. It's coming tomorrow. <laughs> oh, very nice. Not a billboard size, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, but it'd be nice. To, I, actually, every billboard in the whole world should have that. Should be there. And every billboard, every billboard in the world should have that sign. That will bring a whole, change the whole world consciousness overnight. Every billboard in the whole world had that sign. We could do that overnight. There'd be an overnight spiritual revolution on the whole planet. The whole planet would be transformed. We could just put that on every billboard one night. <laughs> Love it. So what advice would you give to, you know, people who might have been in a similar situation as you back in college, smart, somewhat driven, maybe depressed college student, maybe really happy with what they're doing, but they're about to enter the real world. What advice would you give them? What advice should yeah, they give? On my e-course, I'll train you up. Go to www.joincourse.com, J-O-I-N-C-O-U-R-S-E.com. Get on my course and I'll train you how to become a self-realized soul. I'll become an empowered agent for bringing in a global spiritual revolution to this planet. Excellent. And you can do you can do your college studies and have a career for, for earning your livelihood and paying your rent. But that, that's your secondary business. Your primary education, your primary occupation is to become self-realized and to promote self-realization all over the world. That's your primary occupation. Your you're earning your living. That's a secondary occupation. Definitely. 
So what are your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, techniques, habits that you form just to get yourself going? Every get day? up early, you get up early in the morning and chant Hare Krishna. We actually, I get up at two o'clock in the morning and chant Hare Krishna. And then we, at 4.30, we have a worship service. And that's also available online at livelectures.net. You can join our morning worship service at 4.30 a.m. Central Time. So yeah, we and we have a welcome to join us and we I get up at two o'clock in the morning i chant i read and then there's and then take a shower and go for the morning worship ceremony and then i i do some worship activities i cook a breakfast for, for krishna then we have another and then we have the class then we have the breakfast and then we and i have my e-course has almost thirty thousand people signed up so i got a lot of I send out daily broadcasts i have a lot of questions and answers to, re, to reply to and a lot of questions to answer as well from students all over the world. Wow. So what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And feel free to interpret investments as broadly as possible. Giving my giving my life to my spiritual master. I became a disciple of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada in 1971. I, I gave my invested my whole life in his service and has brought me tremendous it's actually brought me to a liberated platform beyond this material existence. See, while I'm here in the material world, I'm actually not in the material world. By his mercy, I'm actually living in the spiritual world at every minute. Excellent. So this past year has been obviously a very unique and challenging one for the human race writ large with the global pandemic going on. But I'm wondering, what have you seen come out of it in a, in a positive way about something that has been become better in humanity or some sort of like realization that is that is transform well, transformed humanity or transforming it the more we can realize this material world is a hellish nightmare that's actually good for us because then we'll look for something better it's actually this is actually a great blessing to have this pandemic and many people now can realize oh wait a minute this material world has got to be something better than this going around with masks every day. There's got to be something better than this. So there's actually a whole spiritual existence where life is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge, and there's there, no one gets old, no one gets sick, no one dies. There's no need of security or police or uh, air filters or anything. It's just a beautiful paradise called the spiritual world, and it's awaiting everyone. So what has been your favorite thing about having a human experience? That I, human, the... That's stated in the Vedas, the Tato Brahma Jigyasa. Now that you're having a human experience, you have the unique opportunity now as a human being to become a self-realized soul. See, the lower species, they can't do that. How many dogs will come to hear a Bhagavad Gita lecture? You see? How many cats will come? <laughs> see, the human life is the one opportunity out of the 8,400,000 species to actually become self-realized. So that is the that is the beauty of being a human being. Now you have a chance to become self-realized. Don't throw it away. Don't flush your human life down the toilet. Utilize this human life to become a spiritually enlightened being right here, right now, because death can come at any time. Take it today seriously right now. Now I commit myself to becoming a spiritually enlightened being at this very moment. I will do everything possible to achieve that perfectional stage. And so how can we seek and attain individual and global perfection? It's very simple. This Hare Krishna chanting, will, will, if, one, if one chants Hare Krishna purely, he becomes fully self-realized spiritual being, and he has the, by his influence, the whole world will become delivered. So it's all, it's all centered around chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. 
Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. These names, God himself appeared in the form of his own devotee 500 years ago in India called Lord Chaitanya. And he taught this mantra. God himself gave this mantra 500 years ago in India. And for five centuries it stayed in India, but then A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami brought it outside of India back there in the 60s, and now it's become a global phenomenon. But this this chanting of Hare Krishna is the means of individual and global perfection. So what are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession or area of expertise? You can do whatever you want. Just enjoy yourself. Because we have a false conception of who we are. Is that the problem? Let me enjoy, get some... Get, get high, get stoned, have screw a few girls, have a good time, you know, have some good... This is, this is called sense gratification. This is, this, you base your happiness on your material senses. You are locking yourself into the cycle of birth and death. You have to base, base your happiness not on the gratifying your tongue, your belly, and your genitals. You have to base your happiness on your loving relationship with that supreme person, the source of all existence. And so what do you see like over the next decade as obviously we're in a time of, you know, technological expansion at a clip that we've never experienced before. But I think there's also we see a lot of spiritual awakening. I see so much more open conversation about the concepts that we've been talking about today on, on platforms like TikTok, where there's a lot more democratization and decentralization of information that has often been like gatekept by different you know organizations over the years. So how, how do you think that sort of technological and spiritual well, combination will... If they can actually come to the devotional service of the Lord, becoming surrendered servants of God will have a huge spiritual revolution on this planet. And if not, it's going to become more and more of a hellish nightmare on this planet. It's going to be either way. It's going to be, it'll be a, an age of enlightenment or an age of further hellish, nightmarish conditions. I don't know which way it's going to go. I'm pushing for the, the bright side, but I don't know what's going to happen. It could go negative, too. Right Indeed. now, it's going very negative, very, very negative. We're trying to trying to counteract it. And so far, I haven't been able to success. President Obama, though, what I'm doing, he wrote me about it. But I haven't made much progress in connecting the world leaders. Even then, he just, it's just a nice letter. He didn't really accept it. He didn't really accept my my instructions and to, to follow my, my guidelines. But if we want to convince all the world leaders to take out the path of Krishna consciousness, because they, if they can do that, talking about political leaders, religious leaders, entertainment in uh, every in every field, education, business, business administration, every field, we want all the leading persons to take up Krishna consciousness, like Bezos and Biden and everyone, if that, and all these leaders in all the different aspects. If they can take up Krishna consciousness, we'll have an amazing transformation of this planet. So I think another big thing that's impending next month, there's going to be a, a pretty significant document dump related to all of the U.S. government's evidence of extraterrestrials, UFOs, things of that nature. Uh, we've had very senior officials from a variety of governments coming out talking about agreements that exist between humans and aliens or aliens living among us. I'm wondering how you reconcile those things, what your view is of beings from other parts of our galaxy, other parts of our universe, and how that reconciles. That's, that's that's material. It's, you know, there are higher planets, and it's possible that higher beings could come here. But that's all within the material world. That, that's not going to liberate us. Simply learning about the higher planets within the material world. It's like in the prison, 
there's different different prisoners that have different degrees of cells. You see, that some, for certain prisoners, they have very nice cells. For some, they have really horrible cells according to uh, different condi conditions. So that's all within the material prison. Higher beings than other planets. That's all within the material world. That's not going to solve any problems. Interesting. So who've been some of your heroes throughout your life and how did they help and inspire you? Of course, my biggest, of course, Patrick Cullen, Patrick Dolan was a big hero for me. He taught me the Hare Krishna mantra in 19. He's still, I don't know, I tried to find him, but I couldn't on the internet just to thank him. He was a big hero for me. He taught me the Hare Krishna mantra. He was actually a member of the SDS, which is a big anti-war organization back in the 60s, the Students for Democratic Society. And he had written an essay advising them that they should chant Hare Krishna to solve the problems of the, of the world and the, and the wars and everything. But he, he, got, he was scared to read it to him. But he actually written a, whole, a lecture he was going to read to the SDS that they should take up Hare Krishna chanting as a means of stopping war. So Patrick Dolan was a big hero for me. And then, and then uh, Krishnajana Swami was a Hare Krishna monk who came to Austin and turn me on to Krishna consciousness. He's a very big hero for me, Vishnu Janaswami. And then, of course, it was my spiritual master, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. And within our movement, I have many, many heroes. I got heroes all over the world. Even my wife is a big hero. She's a very advanced devotee of Krishna. They call her Guru Mataji, which means Guru Mother. All over the world, she's known as Guru Mother. She's a very advanced devotee. She's a hero for me also. Oh, I love that. It's great. Great answer. So when you feel uh, overwhelmed or unfocused, you know, what, what do you do? What questions do you ask yourself? How do you reflect on that? And, and no, questions are not the, no you, questions are not the thing. You just start chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. You don't need to ask questions. The answer is to reconnect. Whenever you're not feeling happy, whenever you're miserable, it means you become disconnected from God. You become disconnected from your actual blissful nature as a God's servant. So whenever you're miserable, you just got to reconnect. That's all. Hare Krishna will bring you right back to your original blissful nature. Hare Krishna chanting. An instant, instant nirvana. So beyond some of the ones you've already mentioned, are there any other quotes that you think of often or live your life by? Sure. That is the Sanskrit version of give up all varieties of so-called religions and fully surrender unto me. I will deliver you from all your sinful reactions. Do not fear. That's Krishna's, that's chapter 18, text number 66 of the Bhagavad Gita. That, the one can just understand and follow that one verse, chapter 18, 66, your life will become perfect. All you need to do is follow that one verse. That's great. This has been such a fascinating and enlightening conversation. And so this brings me to my, to my final question of the day. What is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Giving me Krishna consciousness. Vishnu John Swami gave me Krishna consciousness. That was the, uh, the greatest blessing I could ever receive, that he gave me Krishna consciousness. All glory is to His Holiness, Vishnu Dana Swami Maharaj, for giving me Krishna consciousness. Oh, great answer. Sankarshan, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to get to speak with you. Oh, I was absolutely delighted to be here with you. Thanks so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. 
If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soul, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yes.